Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin Salatu wassalamu ala sayyidil anbiya'i wal mursalin Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa maulana muhammad Wa ala ala sayyidina wa maulana muhammad Wa barik wa sallim Amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Last week, alhamdulillah, we began the discussion talking about the rights that we have upon us, rights that we owe others. Previously, we were speaking about the rights of parents, and inshallah, after the rights of parents, the most important right that we have to fulfill of someone else is that of our spouses. Those of us who are married, through the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have along with a huge ni'mah, which is our spouses, they're a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a huge responsibility as well. As is known in, in dunya, you cannot enjoy something without suffering the repercussions of that as well. And in Arabic, this is called al-ghunmu bil-ghurm. It's a famous a maxim and an uh, principle in fiqh or jurisprudence whenever a person is to benefit from something they are also responsible over that thing so each one of us when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with the nikah and as was mentioned and what we will see through the uh, the Quran and the hadith nikah is a huge blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but just as this is a huge blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala equally there are many places where we can earn the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if we fail to observe the rights of our spouses. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing us. In one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna dunya hulwatun khadira, wa inna Allah mustakhlifukum fiha fayanzura kayfa ta'amalun. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in this portion of the hadith, the dunya was created beautiful and green. Green, luscious, enjoyable. It was created as something that you will find yourselves inclining towards. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent you to the dunya to see how you react. To see what is your ability to cope with these desires and the fact that you cannot fulfill all of your desires. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching you. He's, he's watching to see what you do. Every step we take, every thought that we think, every action that we do, every statement that we say, all of this is being observed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not only is it being observed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also recording all of this. And there will come a day when this recording, when, when, when everything that is written down in our books will be presented to us. So, although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us ni'mas, blessings, remember the fact that dunya is not our permanent abode. And if dunya is not our permanent abode, then what is the dunya? It's not paradise. This dunya is not our paradise. Rather, this dunya is the test of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeing how we behave, what we do in this dunya. And every single relationship that we have, whether that is our primary relationship, that is between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or secondary relationships, that is our relationship 
with the creation of Allah. Our parents, our spouses, our children, our friends and family. In every one of these relationships, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching how we behave, what we do, the things we say, the reactions that we incur, that we do. And so, nikah is no less. This is a, a blessing from Allah, of course. But this is also a huge responsibility. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Turum, this is the ayah we spoke of last week, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا The purpose of marriage is mentioned in this ayah, Surah Turum, verse 21. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Among the signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your creator, if you ponder upon these following things, you will conclude that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there. Among them is that He has created from among you spouses, partners, azwaj, so that you may attain sukoon, peace and comfort from them. And so in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly tells us what is supposed to be the objective behind nikah, what is the objective of this whole institution of nikah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. And I mentioned last week that there are some creatures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created that can reproduce without the need of another being. They, they are asexual, they can just reproduce. So the fact is that if Allah wanted, He could have created insan such that they can reproduce on their own. But He didn't do that. And in another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that the best of His creation is insan. In another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي Adam. We have given nobility to the children of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, meaning humanity. Allah has given nobility to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them in the highest of, of, of features. And as such, every part of a human being has some benefit to it. So why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create as such that we require nikah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this ayah, لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا You will have sukoon, peace and comfort through this. So from this verse, we can realize that nikah is a, a ni'mah from Allah. He's giving us nikah so that we may achieve tranquility, peace and comfort. This is a ni'mah from Allah. وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created between you and your spouses love and compassion. This is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given as a favor to humanity. Because humanity is the highest level of, uh, you know, enjoys the highest level of nobility. No other animal has this institution of nikah. Yes, animals reproduce, but animals do not have nikah. They don't get married. This is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created within humanity. Indeed, in this one aspect, there are many signs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the ayah, in one thing, which is nikah. Not in other things as well. There's many other in the, in the context of this ayah, Surah Turum. There are many other ayat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, starts these ayat with, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ Among the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence and His favor among you are these many different things. You guys can, inshallah, look at that in the beginning of Surah Turum. Around, this is verse 21, but around it before and after. Many ayat talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's signs. But in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in this nikah itself, there are ayat, many signs, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your creator. 
So what is our responsibility? The Qur'an tells us something in, in general. The responsibility of the believers is to look and investigate the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in another ayah, Qur'an. This, this ayah comes twice in the Qur'an. Do they not ponder deeply over the Qur'an? It's, it's an exhortation by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us to look into the Qur'an, to investigate, to derive the pearls and gems from the Qur'an. It's definitely there. How do we do this? We look at the sunnah of Rasulullah We look at the ahadith. What does he have to say about this? And we also use our intellect. This is how we engage with the Qur'an. The Qur'an is telling us, look deeply into it. For example, the Qur'an talks about salah. Do we find any aspect in the, in the Qur'an talking about how to do ruku', how to do sujood, what is the tashahud? We don't find that in the Qur'an. The tashahud is not mentioned in the Qur'an. This is mentioned in the hadith of Rasulullah So the Qur'an is telling us, establish the prayer, perform your salah. The Qur'an also talks about salatul jumu'ah. But the details of salatul jumu'ah, that's not in the Qur'an. That's in the hadith. And the scholars look deeply into that and then derive the rulings from there. Similarly, in every aspect, such as nikah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, look deeply into it, you will find many signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence when you ponder over this ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So inshallah, I wanted to share some ahadith, some verses where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam speaks of this great ni'mah. Oftentimes we find ourselves with a great ni'mah, we have no idea of how to take care of that ni'mah. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us something great, but there comes a responsibility with that. In the time of Umar radiallahu anhu, he would not allow people to engage in business until they learn the fiqh of business. Right? In the time when Umar radiallahu anhu was a khalifa, if a person wanted to do buyur, which is transactions, they could not engage in that. It was like a license that they had to have, a business license like we have in today's time. But part of that business license was they would have to learn the rulings of riba, they would have to learn the rulings of what is permissible, what is impermissible, look at the hadith, look, look at the Qur'an, sit with the scholars. And once they understood that entire sector, they were allowed to engage in business. Not before that. But oftentimes in today's time, we, we want to engage in business and guess what happens? We're engaged in riba very quickly. We're engaged in haram very quickly. We're engaged in buying, selling alcohol very quickly. Why? Because we do not follow these protocols. These protocols are not put in place. And this is why they were put in place. Similarly, we also engage in nikah. But we do not know the rulings of nikah. We do not understand how to take care of that responsibility. And that's all of us. So this is a, something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam highly stresses. In the Qur'an itself, in Surah Al-Baqarah, there's pages of divorce law. In the Qur'an, the Qur'an is not just about spirituality. It's about every aspect of a person's life. There's maybe almost five pages in Surah Al-Baqarah. Out of the 600 pages in the Qur'an, almost five just in Surah Al-Baqarah talking about nikah, divorce law, things of that nature. We have to be cognizant and aware of these if we're going to engage in, in nikah. This is our responsibility. This is what is considered fiqh, what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has passed on to us. And we are the, the inheritors of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mainly the ulama, the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets, but we are his ummah. We need to uphold the standard that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has given us.
In another ayah in Surah Al-A'raf, coming back to the topic, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 189, Surah Al-A'raf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has created you from one being. This is the story of creation that we understand. We all came from one individual, Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. وَجَعَلَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا And from him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made his partner. And in the last khutbah I discussed the story behind Hawa alayhi salam, how Adam alayhi salatu wasalam found her in Jannah and how he also gave her name, which is mentioned in Tafsir Ibn Kathir as well as At-Tabari. So in this ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, He is the one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's recounting the favors that He has blessed us with. He created you all humanity from one soul, from one Adam alayhi salam. And from him, he had also created his spouse. لِيَسْكُنَ إِلَيْهَا So Adam alayhi salatu could receive sukoon, peace and tranquility from his spouse. Again, the purpose of nikah is highlighted in this verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to have this blessing so that we can have this reward of sukoon. And like I, I, I highlighted last week, if we're not having sukoon from our nikah, we should understand that something is wrong. If I come home and my life at home is worse than my life outside, if I'm unable to achieve peace and tranquility in my home because my nikah is so messed up, then there's something wrong. I did not get the, the, the maqsad, the purpose of, of nikah itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the purpose is sukun. Then in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is very similar to Surah Turum so far, but the rest of the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا تَغَشَّاهَا حَمَلَتْ حَمْلًا خَفِيفًا فَمَرَّتْ بِي This couple, when they got married, and they were united, then the spouse, the wife, eventually carried a load, carried a burden, the Quran says. Reference to having, carrying a child. حَمْلًا خَفِيفًا In the beginning, it was, it was very small, a small burden. Not very difficult to take care of. فَمَرَّتْبِ She continued on her way. فَلَمَّا أَثْقَلَتْ But eventually she became very heavy. This burden became even heavier and heavier. And then the, 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 the spouses are saying this. دَعَوَ اللَّهَ رَبَّهُمَا What did this couple do when they were in this situation? Right, so the wife became pregnant. What did the couple do? They both made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their Lord, If you grant us a healthy, pious, good offspring, then we will indeed be amongst those who show thanks. This is the sentiment of every couple. Every, every Muslim couple should have this, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning. And some Mufassirin say this is a reference to Adam alayhi salatu wasalam specifically. Some say that this is humanity in, in general. This is what happens. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates a union between two individuals that is a very strong bond, stronger than any family bond. And thereafter, when they're expecting, they go through many different emotional stages. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, not only is the purpose of nikah tranquility and peace, but there's also another benefit. There is the increase in the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the increase of the muwahideen, those who will profess to tawheed. This is a huge ibadah. Imagine you yourself, 
the greatest ibadah that we all are doing all the time, whether you're sleeping, whether you're awake, whether you're at work, whether you're upset, whether you're happy, you are in a state of ibadah because you always have iman in your heart. This is the greatest ibadah. Imagine how great that ibadah is when you, you are a means of another person accepting Islam. That's a huge means of, of ibadah. And imagine how great it is when you raise up another Muslim. You have a child and you're raising this child up with iman, with taqwa. This is huge. This is like your own iman is being multiplied. And the rewards are going to be exponential. So this couple, coming back to the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us that marriage is a partnership. It's not one-sided. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't say the male made dua to Allah. Nor does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say only the, the wife who is pregnant, she made dua to Allah. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? When the union was made and they're expecting, they both called unto their Lord. This ayah is indicating towards the fact that we should do ibadah together as well. When we are a couple, we should engage in ibadah together. We should make dua together. It's not that only in some aspects that we have this partnership. In all aspects, even in our Islam itself, our religion, our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it must be formed with this union. And this is why nikah is so important. We will be on the level of our spouse. Or our spouses will be on our level, inshallah. And this is another benefit of nikah, that if I am weaker in my iman, my spouse will lift me up. And if my spouse is weaker in iman, I will lift them up. And we will make dua together and we will be a means of bringing more tawheed into this world. We will be a means of spreading this deen in the land inshallah. So there's so many benefits in this one verse itself. This verse also highlights something. It, it highlights the physical aspect of nikah. The union, the physical union that took place. It highlights the emotional aspect of nikah. They, they, they became worried. The, the wife became pregnant, she's expecting. Now they're worried, they want to know, are we going to have pious offspring? What is going to be the condition of my children? Ya'qub we understand. If we want to look at the ideal parents, look at the parents who were anbiya. Look at Ibrahim salam and his relationship to his children. Look at Ya'qub salam and his relationship to his children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us these paradigms, these examples, these individuals in the Qur'an how to react, how to behave in that specific situation. Ya'qub who is also called Israel, you know, Banu Israel are the children of Israel, who is Ya'qub He is the grandson of Ibrahim from Ishaq When Ya'qub was on his deathbed, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, his last wasiyah, his, his advice to his children, was what? Remember we had, he has 11 children. They became Banu Israel. Amongst them is Yusuf السلام, as well. The Yahud, the Nasara, they all come from this progeny. This line of Anbiya. His parting advice to his children is لا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Promise me. He's on his deathbed. He's breathing his last. A Nabi of Allah. He's talking to his children. As he's dying, he's saying the last thing. Promise me. That you will die. He's not saying carry out this, this, uh, this will of mine, buy this estate, sell that estate, make sure this person gets this much money, make sure that other relative of ours gets this estate. Nothing regarding the dunya. 
The last advice, make sure when you die, promise me you'll die with Iman. Promise me you will not die other than the fact that you will be a Muslim. This was his concern. And scholars say this is why he was so worried about Yusuf Yaqub became blind because he cried so much over Yusuf Because he was worried, will my son retain his Iman? Where is he? What is happening to him? This was the fervor and the, the zeal of the Anbiya. So when we are put in, this sh- in, in these shoes, what are we doing to ensure that the next generation will have this Iman? Are we connected to the dunya and just worried about this estate and that estate or what will happen to my uh, money when, I'm passed, when I've passed? Or are we worried about what is my progeny going to do? Is this lineage going to continue with Iman or not? Because this is our true investment. If you truly look at it, this is our true investment. In the Akhirah, what we want to see is people that we don't even know, but they're our descendants. And they're all saying, La ilaha illallah. We want that in our book of deeds. That is going to be more valuable than any monetary thing, anything in the dunya itself. So this is the fervor of the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam. So coming back to the verse, I know I'm going around a lot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again is saying that He is the one who has created you. And from you, He has created your spouses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had determined that you will be married to your spouse. This was already written before we were created. That we are going to be married to this person. And when that union took place and they were expecting, what did they do together? They made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were worried about their progeny. They were worried about the spreading of iman. Will they be able to uphold this huge responsibility? And it is. Unfortunately, we see everyone around us and we begin to think it's a light thing. It's a huge responsibility. And so they make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this fervor in mind. When it came close to the due date, they're making dua. They both made dua to Allah. Oh Allah, if you give us a salih. And this word salih has many meanings. One is a healthy child. Salih also means righteous child. They're making dua for a healthy, righteous child. One that will have iman. One that will carry the message of Allah. They didn't ask for a wealthy child. They didn't ask for anything else. Health, iman, and health. That's what they asked for. And if you do that for us, indeed we'll be amongst those who show shukr and thanks. So again, this, this verse, this one verse is highlighting the physical aspect of nikah. The emotional aspect. Connection with spouses. Making dua together. The spiritual facet. <clears throat> connecting with Allah together. Making, you know, performing salat tahajjud together, dua together. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. This is not something, uh, you know, that, that the Western world is teaching us to be romantic even in our spirituality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the ayah, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together. The nawafil ibadah we can do together as, as a couple. In another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, Hunna libasun lakum wa antum libasun lahun. This is a, a, a metaphor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using. Your spouses are a garment for you as you are a garment for them. Hunna libasun lakum antum libasun lahun. Libas meaning garment. So our spouses are garments for us and we are garments for them. I have seven different reasons why this metaphor is made. I don't know if we can retain all of that. I'll share them inshallah. Number one. I'm just going to examine the ayah, inshallah. I'd like to take my time, inshallah, and then next week we'll continue even more. I have many other ahadith as well. 
So number one, garments are a cover for one's body and necessary for daily life. Every one of us understands this, this very simple point. We need our clothing. We cannot exit the house without them. We cannot appear in front of anyone without them. It's shameful without having garments. So we need to have our clothing. It's necessary for daily life. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is comparing the two. He's saying you are your spouse's clothes and they are your clothes. This is very important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this in the Quran, a very deep metaphor. Just like we need our clothing for daily life. We need our spouses for daily life. We cannot survive without them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us. This is a, a successful nikah. When a nikah is successful, a spouse cannot live without the other spouse. And like I mentioned before, some elderly couples, you will see, when one of them passes away, the other one quickly passes away after that. That is because the trauma that, that took place in their heart could not allow them to live further. Number two. Garments are a source of protection from harsh weather. Right? We wear certain clothes in the winter, we have more layers. In the summer, less. We dress accordingly. If someone just walked in right now with a huge jacket and you know, a fur hoodie, then everyone's going to look at them very strangely because they're not dressing accordingly. Similarly, if it's in the middle of uh, January and someone comes in with a tank top, we're all going to be just staring at the person or, you know, in amazement maybe. Maybe they have uh, a lot of heat exuding from their body. But they're not dressing accordingly. Similarly, our, our spouses are a protection. When we have the proper spouse and when we are treating them properly as well, we, this, this harmony creates protection. Protection from what? Our chastity is protected. Our nazar, our gaze is protected from looking at what is haram. Our tongue is protected from speaking to those individuals that we shouldn't speak to, to engaging with those individuals that we shouldn't engage to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting us in that manner. Number three, our clothing, we, we usually protect our clothing from being worn out or dirty. Right? Again, if someone is wearing very dirty clothing, filthy clothing, then it's going to be embarrassing for them. Similarly, what do spouses do? And this is very important. Oftentimes we, we find ourselves doing the opposite. Is that we protect the honor and dignity of our spouse. We always seek to protect their faults. We are the bearers of their secrets. And we protect their faults. Just like we would protect our own clothing from being dirty. We don't let anyone else see those faults. It's really important that we do that. The fourth comparison is that garments are intimate. They're very close. They, they, they literally hug our body as long as they're with us. So similarly, spouses are very close. And this is a, a, a and like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the ayah, this is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator. That he can take two individuals who have nothing to do with each other. They didn't know each other. They're not related. He gets them into this union and that bond that is formed within a very short period of time is greater even sometimes than the bond of parents. And that's why many people struggle when they get married to give the rights to the parents as well and to the spouse because a lot of the heart is going towards their spouse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has, he, he is showing us, he's the muqallibul qulub. He's the one that turns your heart the way he wants. And that's why Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he would treat all of his wives justly. And after doing that, after giving them each the, the same amount of time, that's what was in his control and his power. 
He would spend one night with a different spouse. And this is a must. If someone has more than one spouse, they have to be equal in, in, in that uh, distribution. So Nabi would make a dua, Oh Allah, I am doing what I have in my power. As for what is not in my power, where my heart leans towards. He's referring to Aisha radiallahu anha. Aisha radiallahu anha was most beloved to Nabi sallallahu So more of his heart was going towards her. So he would make dua, Oh Allah, I am trying to distribute accordingly, but you control my heart. I cannot control this. So then the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it's amongst the signs that Allah is the creator, that you who possess your own heart have no control over it. This is a sign that he is the creator. So again, garments are intimate. And the relationship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates between spouses is a very precious and intimate thing. Number five, when shopping for clothes, people look for the best clothes that suit them. Right? So if we, if we wear clothing that's extremely small, then we're also going to get looks and stares. If we wear clothing that is extremely long, it's not going to make any sense. We have to wear clothing that fits our bodies and also clothes that are suitable. Similarly, when we are looking for a spouse, we look for certain attributes. Inshallah, another time we can talk about what attributes to look for in, in a spouse. For most of the people here are married, so those of you who aren't, we can discuss that in another time, inshallah. We actually have... Uh, intensives for uh, nikah usually in February uh, just for the season inshallah we can speak about it then so that's number five number six how are spouses how are we clothing for our spouses this is we're talking about the ayah people feel a sense of happiness from their clothes it improves their self-esteem right when we wear clothing many times we look at ourselves in the mirror inshallah and we're happy about it there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with looking at yourself in the mirror after you put on good clothes, inshallah, and smiling at yourself. Some people even talk to themselves. That's your decision if you want to do that. But what Rasulullah would do is he would talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he would look at himself in the mirror, he would make a dua. We should all learn this dua. Allahumma hassanta khalqi fahassin khuluqi. Oh Allah, you've made me physically beautiful. All of us are physically beautiful. You might not feel that way, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created you in a very beautiful manner. Maybe not in the sense that we might think, okay, I'm not so beautiful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made your form as a human, you're better than all of the creations. Our head is upward. Our mind, the, the source of our intellect is upward. Instead of other animals whose head is below. Anyway, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa made this dua, Oh Allah, you've made me physically handsome and beautiful. Fahassin khuluqi. So make my inward character and my akhlaq even more beautiful. This is the dua. This is what Nabi Sallallahu would say when he would look into a mirror. So each one of us, we become happy when we wear good clothing. And it boosts our self-esteem. This should be the condition between us and our spouses. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is saying that you are clothing for your spouses. Your spouses are clothing for you. They should be a source of boosting your morale, boosting your self-esteem. Inshallah. And finally, the last thing, clothing makes a person beautiful. We, we are beautified by our clothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this ni'mah. Again, separating us from all of the other creations, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us very creative and makes us very beautiful in the clothing that we wear. Similarly, our spouses are those who bring out the best qualities within us. 
There are ones who will see the good qualities, speak about them, extract them, make them more flourished in us. And like we mentioned before, they will hide the bad qualities. So there's a, f- a few different aspects of the ayah itself. There's many other hikmas, wisdoms behind the ayah. So, you know, if we look at the books of tafsir, inshallah, we will come across many of them. Now, I'll continue and inshallah continue next week about this, but I'll, I'll start another uh, portion. I want to talk about the benefits of nikah. I've already alluded to many of them, but what is mentioned in the hadith? I want to mention three benefits of nikah itself. So for those of us who want to be amongst the Uzzab, the Uzzab are those who, who don't want to get married. That's fine. There are many people in the past who, who didn't get married. There's a, actually a book, Al-Ulama Al-Uzzab, the, the scholars who never got married. So Imam Al-Nawawi, we heard of Imam Al-Nawawi, he never got married. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, he never got married. Many scholars preferred ulum and, and the Islamic sciences over marriage itself. In recent times, uh, maybe five years ago, uh, Shaykh Yunus Jompuri, rahimahullah, uh, he also, he did not get married, he, he passed away uh, in India. He was a Shaykh al-Hadith in Saharanpur. Uh, in his janazah, there was uh, over a million people that attended. He was a great uh, hadith of the recent past. So some people, they don't get married. These are great scholars as well. So if you feel like you cannot uphold the, the, the dictates of marriage, the ahkam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put upon us, then you don't have to. In the Shafi'i Madhab, Imam Shafi'i actually says, if someone is capable of preferring ibadah and worship over getting married, then they should do so. They shouldn't get married, according to Imam Shafi'i. According to Imam Abu Hanifa, actually he says that no, marriage is more beneficial than ibadah. Marriage is more beneficial. In the Hanafi Madhab, marriage itself is an ibadah. And this is one of the only ibadahs that will stretch into the akhirah. Generally speaking, there's no salah in the akhirah. We won't perform salah in the akhirah. We'll meet on Yom al-Jumu'ah, inshallah, but there's no, there's no salat al-Jumu'ah in, in the akhirah. Because that's taklif, or that is, that is a burden that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put on us. And there won't be any burdens in the hereafter. So there's no, there's no salah. And the dhikr that will be done, that will be like breathing. There won't be any difficulty in the dhikr. So it's not necessarily ibadah itself. That is something that's in the physics of, of Jannah itself. When people breathe, their breath will be tasbih. They'll say, subhanallah, when they breathe out, that noise will come out. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, those noises will come out. So there's no ibadah in the akhirah. However, nikah itself in the Hanafi madhab is considered an ibadah. Nikah will continue in Jannah. And that means that this is one source of rewards and ibadah that supersedes this entire realm, this universe. This is how important it is. This union that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates is extremely important. We want in, in our Jannah itself, our property of Jannah, our parents are not going to be there. They can visit, they're not going to live there. Our children are not going to be there. They can visit, they're not going to be there. Everybody's going to be the same age. You can look at your great, great, great ancestors. They'll be the same age as you. You won't be able to tell any age differences. So they'll have their own places in Jannah. But the only individual that will share your Jannah with you is your spouse. This is an extremely important union that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. So I was going off topic. I was just going to share some things. Inshallah, we'll do that next week. Of the benefits of nikah itself. I want to encourage all of those who are young. If you're too young, then you can wait, inshallah. Uh, Your parents know better. But 
if we're on the fence, if we want to uh, engage in nikah or not. Inshallah, this is highly encouraged in Sharia by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we cannot use the excuse, this is not an excuse that I'm not going to get married and then we engage in haram. That's absolutely impermissible. If, if we feel desire, then the way to fulfill that in the halal manner is nikah itself. We'll talk about the different ahadith in which Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam addressed a group of youngsters about this. And so Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wouldn't shy away from these these types of topics express them very openly and clearly, and I'll share with you. Uh, I'll share with you that hadith, uh, just because we're on the topic. So Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed by a group of youngsters. He said, "Ma'ashar al-shabab, O group of youngsters, young men were there in the masjid. There's a group of young guys, maybe sitting in the back in the corner, laughing and joking. Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed by. He said, "Ma'ashar al-shabab, O group of young young men, young boys, man istata'a minkum al-ba'ata fil-yatazawaj." Those of you who have the power, the ability, you have the desire, you have wealth as well, you have all the means to get married, do it right away. If you're at that age and you have the ability, do it right away. And those of you who cannot, but you have the desires, you have to fast. This is the, the, the command of Nabi Wasallam. a continuous fasting for those who couldn't get married. So this is the, the other option. If you're not going to get married, you have to just fast all day. Almost every day as well. Some ulama say, the best type of fast for ibadah is the psalm of Dawood Every other day. That's for ibadah. But for ilaj and for a medicine, for our desires, Nabi Wasallam advised fasting every single day. It's not very easy. It's for those who refuse to get married or have, do not have the means to get married. So Nabi Wasallam advised these youngsters such. In another hadith, inshallah, I'll share it in more detail next week. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, Those of you who have the ability to get married but do not, and those men who, you know, fathers who have children and they're ready to get married and you find a suitable spouse but you refuse to let your children get married, then you are aiding them in a great fitna and there's going to be widespread trials, tribulations, difficulties in the land because of our actions. This is a highly uh, dangerous, it's a warning actually from Rasulullah sallallahu and a prophecy. That is coming true right before our eyes. We see this because we are refusing to engage in nikah, there's a lot of fitna spreading around. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to please him through this beautiful institution, to uphold the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is nikah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with many things, with each blessing, there comes a responsibility. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا If you were to count the ni'mas of Allah, you wouldn't be able to do so. But whatever you can count, whatever you do understand of the ni'mas of Allah, each one has a responsibility upon you. And we have to fulfill that. Otherwise, ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَنِ النَّعِيمِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the end of Surah Al-Takathur, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you will be questioned and asked and interrogated of every single blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon you. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to uphold that. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to be good to our spouses, those of us who have spouses. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who do not have spouses who are looking to give them suitable spouses inshallah. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala ala khiri khalqihi Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Bi rahmatika ya rahmur rahimin.